All right, for our 11 o'clock conversation, usually this time we'd be speaking on our All Matters UIF in terms of the uh, TERS payment. But today we're actually going to be hosting Labor Minister Tulas Ngesi, or shall I say Minister of Employment and Labor. And uh, he's going to be talking on a range of issues. Minister Ngesi, good morning and let me thank you so much for your time today. Yes, good morning, Kathy, and uh, let me also greet the listeners. Of course, what we have seen during this period, um, in particular when it comes to the economic impact of COVID-19, is that there's been an absolute onslaught uh, on workers. People have lost jobs. Um, people are finding themselves in very precarious positions where work is concerned. What's the Labor Department doing to help those who have been in employment to try and deal, I think, with just... The, the kind of situation that we find ourselves in has been a, a difficult year for workers. Um, thank you, Kathy. First, let, let me just put your question into its proper context and say the whole UN system and the INO philosophy is the issue of the right to uh, social, social security, which is regarded as part of um, the rights uh, of of the workers, and uh, these rights of the workers are also regarded as, as 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 human rights, which then says to us, um, we are supposed um, as 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 employers, also as government, that uh, we are able to come up with this social security, which covers. Um, all measures which are providing the benefits, whether it's in uh, um, in cash or in kind, trying to address uh, these risks such as the loss of income, which is caused by a number of events, can also be maternity, can be ill health, it can be sickness, unemployment, work injury, invalidity, old age, and um, also provide some facilities. And I think the package of measures which we're having are exactly trying to do that in the period which we find ourselves. And one of the examples which is part of the measures is is the IF, the Compensation Fund. We have now wrote the CCMA to also deal with the mass retrenchment. So one of the things which we have also realized even prior to COVID, we the economy was already going down. The retrenchments were, uh, were increasing. And as we talk, we talked about the last quarter, talking about 2.2 uh, people who lost their jobs. And we expect that if there's an announcement today, we might even, the number might even be worse. But uh, during the COVID time, what we have done we have played a very uh, pivotal role using the UIF um, in this economy and during this, this, this time of the lockdown. And uh, we believe that UIF has made the, the single largest cash contribution in the economy of all the entities, especially uh, the fund for the distress. And if I might talk about the figures uh, shortly, 
I can say up to the 14th December, UIF was paid about 65 billion. And uh, the, that 55 billion was, was for the normal, uh, normal tests or other benefits. 64 billion rand was in this special COVID, which we had to do it as a benefit. And it was a rush rush because uh, people were very desperate. And uh, you have 12,000, I mean, 12 million or close to 13 million payments which were made to South African workers and uh, about uh, 500,000 which were made to foreign workers who are in the country. And uh, some 81,000 domestic workers also benefited and uh, more than a million employers claimed from this particular. So EUIF has also continued to, to, to pay the so-called ordinary benefits. And um, yeah, running into 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 billion. That that has been the intervention. But also, we have been forced to come up with the various directives or directions in terms of making the workplace safe and uh, to be able to deal with the pandemic. We had to protect the workers, and we've done that in consultation with all the social partners at at at, at Netlek and. Um, all the employers were required to do a number of things in order to ensure the safety of the workers. That, that's the context which I can be able to give, give it thus far. Of course, the process has had its own problems. And let's, let's talk about some of those. You know, when we started speaking just um, to ordinary South Africans who are raising concerns about some of the UIF payments. It started as just, as just one interview. It ended up becoming an hour-long show every Tuesday, I think for probably the last six or seven months or so, simply because there were so many problems with the payments of, of, of the UIF system. Talk to me, Minister, about the work that you have been doing in terms of trying to get the UIF on track and ensuring that those thousands of South Africans that are still yet to receive some of those benefits will be able to do so, at least before the festive season is done? Well, let, let me say this. Right from the onset when I came into that department, we were to start a project to fundamentally review the UIF. And uh, I was able to say to the management, we need to focus on, on, on this fundamental review by looking at the new business model, looking at all its systems, including the IT system, the structure, the strategy, and even looking at the staff and the skills, whether we have the right people, because this is an insurance, and it needs those technical and financial skills. To run it, and it became very clear that the what was there was not robust enough. But also, Katie, you must appreciate that when this was announced, when this was extended to all the workers, half of them of the employees were not paying the UIF. But uh, there had to be some guarantees; they were not even part of the system. We had to quickly relook at our systems in order. Uh, to cover up uh, those who were not even paying. And uh, that, that was a mandate that was agreed by um, the social partners at Netflix, that was agreed by the cabinet. And uh, registering those people was 
a mammoth task. And uh, that's why we ended up using the bargaining council, the employer payrolls, and so on. And uh, that's where the problem started. But we knew right from the onset that there were going to be problems when you are dealing with billions of rands, and uh, we are dealing with these millions we are talking about. Hence, we started talking about there would be a need to have what we called follow the money system after we have done the payment. And uh, unfortunately, as you have indicated, we were caught. Within a short space of time, we had to pay this, and there were leakages uh, because of poor controls. And uh, we must be honest about that. There were poor controls, and um, which were not put properly. And that's why it led to some of the people being suspended who were responsible for that, um, because those controls, the police were so basic, they were supposed to be there, even if there was a lot of pressure. And uh, indeed, you still have people who have been complaining who could not be paid on time. Some up to now have not been paid. But uh, I think you would appreciate, once Treasury came in um, to come and, and do the audit, it became very clear that there were a lot of wrong things which we had to correct. And we spent a lot of time doing that. Uh, trying to correct our system, trying to put the controls. But we were clear that we were not going to fundamentally change the system. During this period, we had to be able to do to do the correct thing while it is flying. Are you still with me? Uh, yes, I am, Minister. When it Thank comes to, when it comes to these system controls that you say you know had problems with them and and it's led to leakages. You call it leakages, but effectively money ending up in the wrong hands. Um, do we know how long this could have been carrying on for? So, is it something that is just unique to the UIFTAS payments, or is it endemic? of the organization of the UIF. And does that mean that we know how much is potentially being lost just from the general payments uh, that the UIF has been making? I wouldn't say that it has been endemic. And I wouldn't say it has not been uh, happening. Uh, Our own investigations, further investigations are going to tell us. Because remember that... uh, the AG just focuses us on what they see as um, the red line. But we also need to go deeper into, into that. And um, we have been able on our own um, to discover some of the things, but on others, we have been helped by the Fusion Center, which is uh, the various law enforcement. But all we can say, our systems... Uh, have been exposed, and it's possible that there, there might have been a lot of leakage which has been happening before, but uh, it had to take this particular event to expose us, how we are going to correct those things. But it's not all doomed because we've been able to claim more than $3 billion now back from some of the employee, I mean employers, and this, listen to this, from some of the employers who gave the reasons that... Uh, uh, they were overpaid. But you know that some of the employers who, who were involved in this uh, leakage um, overclaimed deliberately, inflating the numbers of their employers. But it's good that they've brought back the money. We still have to follow that and see what has happened. So by the fact that we had to put 
what you say, follow the money mechanisms and employed about um, 10 audit firms. Um, it was very clear to us that we needed to deal with the fraud whenever it arises because we, we, we anticipated it. Of course, the challenge with with these problems that you've been experiencing is that we now have still many South Africans who are desperate for this money, who, for whatever reasons, have not been able to access it. What do you have to say to those South Africans, Minister, this morning? Let me emphasize this. We, We have tried to communicate through our acting uh, uh, commissioner, through our media person, uh, Marco Songe, to say applications which are in, although this has closed on the 15th of October, um, applications which are already in, um, we will process them, regardless of the month and so on because those were already in. But we don't just simply pay. We have to scrutinize, we have to verify, we have to verify all these and make sure that these are compliant, these people have been um, um, registered properly, so that we don't fit with the same problems which were uh, raised by, by the the auditor general. So a lot of them will keep them out um, for a number of reasons. And um, so what we are saying, we want to assure the public if your application is in its journey, we will be able to pay no matter how long it takes. But what we must not do is to commit the mistakes again. We have to be very meticulous. Now we are even slower and uh, that's very important. Uh, we know that uh, we have inconvenienced some of the people, but we also know that when you look at the tools which are there in our labor centers, some of the people do not even qualify. That's why we've employed close to 300 uh, uh, marshals who are helping those people who are doing that to see if uh, they've come to the right uh, to the right uh, offices, because some of them think that uh, 350 is also processed in our labor center, whereas it's not the case. Some of them, it's people who lost jobs 10 years or even more ago, uh, who think that they're entitled to some money, whereas that's not the case. Minister of Employment and Labour, Tulas Ngesi, this is, uh, we're in conversation with him for this morning. Uh, I'll be taking your calls within the coming half hour. Uh, for now, let's go to your 11.30 news headlines. The Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana, weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. We're in conversation with Minister of Employment and Labour, Tulas Ngesi. We've been talking about the issues that have come up at the UIF. So, Minister, one of the things that you said before we went to the news headlines was that no matter how long it takes, people must know that uh, they will ultimately be paid. But, of course, the issue is that it does matter how long it takes because many people need that money right now. They're desperate right now. Well, that's unfortunate, uh, Kathy. What we cannot do, we will not be able to pay something which has not been 
uh, verified because some of the mistakes have to do with the the way um, the information has been given to us or forms and some of the mistakes are also coming from the side of 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 the employers and um, we will have to check all that including the bank verification if uh, the bank numbers which have been given are the correct bank numbers remember that uh, some of the findings which we had from the AG talk about uh, bank uh, verifications which were not done. That's why some of the people ended up getting money. Um, but uh, they had a list of the employees, but and they faked the bank, um, the bank details, and that money ended up going into the wrong places. But uh, according to the information of uh, coming from the uh, commissioner of the the the, the UIF. Is, is to indicate that uh, uh, now that the labor centers have increased the opening hours from 6 to 6 and even on weekends, um, we are trying to, to, to increase our speed of processing this. Remember, at that time, um, labor centers are also workers. They were not coming to work, given um, the crisis of, of, of the COVID. Once there were some concessions, level 2 and 3, Excuse me, we started opening um, those labor centers, and as I've indicated, we have expanded uh, our call center with additional three, uh, 300 uh, operators uh, to, to come and help. And um, initially, we used to have about 40. So now the waiting uh, times are currently below two minutes when we're doing the processing. So what we are indicating is that um, we hope that by mid-January, would have dealt with all the outstanding payments. Remember, this started at about a million people. Uh, two months ago, it was 300,000. And uh, that number has gone down. I don't have the latest figure now uh, from the UI uh, commissioner as to what is the latest outstanding. But still, we have to comb this. We have to do it very meticulously. Have you received the report from the SIU in terms of the investigation into some of the executives at the UIF that have been placed on suspension? The, you know that the legal processes can take their own time in the investigation. We have received some of the reports, Katie. And uh, I know as a journalist you would want to press me as to when are we going to act on those reports. We are in the process. Remember, these are internal matters. Once you start talking uh, the DC issues, um, these become internal matters. You don't start in the media. We have received the reports, and some of the reports are helping. And uh, we will uh, shortly pronounce uh, what is our next line of action. In what, what do the reports the, say, Minister? Those, sorry? What do the reports say? You know, they've been able to identify some irregularities where some people have to account. But like I'm saying, we are going to make uh, some announcements uh, very soon. But it's not yet a full report. Investigations are still continuing. So there are still gaps in other areas. In other areas, we can be able to start our action. Do these irregularities implicate the top officials at the UIF in particular? I'm talking here about, you know, the the CEO, the COO and the CFO uh, that were placed on suspension. I do not want to confirm that, Katie. I can just say we have received reports which implicate people in the UIF. As to whether those or not, I can't do that. 
uh, I have to protect the integrity of our process. I can only say it once we have pronounced formally. So when can we expect a statement from you on this issue? You can expect it next week, Kathy. All right. Okay. So we'll leave it there then for now. Uh, I want to talk about the the matters that are also unfolding in the trucking industry. You would have heard, you know, in the latest bulletin, um, just the updates in terms of the the strike and the protests that are being held by different truck drivers. Before we do that, though, Minister, let me go to Mike in Newlands. Mike, uh, good morning, and very briefly, go for it. Uh, good morning, Cathy, and uh, good morning, Minister. How nice to be on the radio uh, taking calls from this. It's fantastic. Well done to you, sir. First of all, I do not underestimate the mag- ma- magnanimity of this massive project. So, you know, full credit to you and your department for pulling it off. But there's a couple of things that bother me. First of all, 350 rand a month is quite pathetic. The poverty date in line is 1,054 rand. Now, you could say, Minister, well, we don't have the money. But if I'm reading here that 35 billion rand was lost in, uh, what do you call it, fruitful or wasteless expenditure? I call it theft. And you're not answering the question as to where is the 35 billion rand? Have we actually got 1 billion back, 2 billion back? Have we found any of that money at all? And then my final question is that your name came up in the Zonda Commission by Edwin Sodi. I think you benefited, uh, allegedly benefited to the tune of 350,000. I'm not sure about the number. You can correct me on that. Has that money been repaid by your minister or are you denying it? And if you are denying it, uh, what action is the president going to take? Because you're obviously compromised now. Because how are you going to invest somebody, investigate somebody in your department if you yourself are under investigation? It makes it a problem, I think, for everybody in your credibility there. Thank you so much, uh, Minister. And thanks, uh, Kathy. All right, Mike. Thanks for that, Minister. Uh, Kathy, I'm going to request you, after I've answered the last question, just to repeat the first question. The, the, in terms of the last question and uh, the issue of the business person, uh, Mr. Sodi. I think um, it's, it's public knowledge that uh, I've expressed myself on the matter, and I think even uh, Mr. Sodi has said it in the commission, 45,000, 15,000 um, for a child paid directly into a school in Boxbeck, um, and then the other one was 30,000 for two children and all these kids are uh, their fathers were uh, were passed on, and uh, the parents were very desperate to keep them at school. And the thirty thousand was meant for the kids who were lodging in a particular place, uh, were paying five point five per month, and uh, I was approached, and indeed I approached amongst others Mr. Sodi to help, and. Uh, that was put very clearly. It never came even to me. I've even written to the commission putting uh, my own affidavit in relation to this, this particular matter. Mm-hmm. So it's just as simple as that. Even Mr. Sodi confirmed that in, 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 in the commission. Can you repeat the other questions for me? So, so uh, Minister, why, why did you go to Mr. Sodi in particular? I approached, I approached a number of, uh, a number of uh, small business people. Did you see anything wrong with it? In what? In in approaching him for this money? What is wrong? Uh, how many people do that? They approach the business people mm. to help here and there mm. if there is a problem. Okay. And, and, and if, give, if, if, it was, if mm. it was my benefit, I should have uh, disclosed it in Parliament. If it, it did care, I mean, it come to me. Mm. It didn't come to me. It's just for the school kid requesting somebody, can you help those kids? 
But uh, there was nothing wrong with that. Yeah, so, many people were doing that. Mm. So, so, Minister, given what we know now, especially in terms of these payments and um, how they are seen to be going out to different members of the ANC and they seem to be part of a broader system of patronage and how things work in inverted commas. Um, do, do you still think that there was nothing wrong with it, especially in the context of some of the other information that has come out of uh, the state capture inquiry? Well, insofar as I'm concerned, I was heading public works with a lot of tender. And um, if you can go and check into your book, if Mr. Uh, Sodi did benefit anyhow in, in the public work through the tenders or I was ever involved in any of the tenders. And um, insofar as I'm concerned, approaching any other business person, mm-hmm. um, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, I, 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 yeah. I, I still, I mm-hmm. can't even speak on behalf of the other uh, transactions. I'm talking about the one which involved me. Uh, so, so what I'm doing, Minister, is really asking you around the perception that has been created and your view uh, about that perception. I do not want to go into that. I'm just explaining uh, the one which directly affects me. Mm-hmm. But, but do you agree that there has been an impression created here? There might be an impression, but some of the people uh, deliberately saw because uh, they didn't want to ask the fact. If people wanted to know the fact, they should have come to me, not start by going into the media and throw this thing out of proportion, because that's what happened. If I had been approached, I could have been able to give the very same explanation which I've given. And I was the one who said, I am ready to go to the commission and explain myself. That's why I wrote an affidavit. Okay. So one of the first questions that Mike was asking was around the payments so far that have been made by the UAF. And he's referencing the Auditor General's report around where some of these monies could have ended up. And he's questioning what has been recovered versus what has been lost to irregular expenditure. And and if, in fact, this is uh, enough money. Well, I've indicated that uh, what has been... uh recovered is just above uh, 3 billion but the work continues i've indicated that we've uh, employed 9 to 10 about about 9 audit firms uh, i'm wrong when i said uh, 10 it's 9 uh, who are following each and 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 every cent and remember this i've, I've given the 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 context uh, that when the benefit was agreed at netlet it was decided that all the workers should should benefit from the payment thereof, irrespective of whether the employer had declared the worker with the fund and uh, or paid the contribution for that worker. So, and um, we are following that money. And the other sad reality is that, uh, which is always uh, overlooked by many and not said. I'm not sure it's because the powerful employers that not all employers transferred the benefits that were paid to their employees, and we received these numerous complaints. Um, almost every day that uh, people have not been have not been uh, have not been paid, but it seems as if it's not a, a big issue because it's the powerful employers, and we are following everybody, every payment which we have done, even if it's going to take us six months or to a year. But we are doing that's why we have had to engage so many uh, audit firms. Let me go to Sfiso in Durban. Sfiso, good morning. Morning, Kathy. Uh, morning to the minister. Uh, yes, Katie, uh, my 
question is, is very simple. Uh, I was paid this uh, COVID-19 test fund one, and uh, my company did not reapply. Now, what I want to find out from the minister is, if the company does not apply, where can you go to in, further, in, in order to, 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 to force the company to apply? Because the labor officials are very hard to, 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 to get to in order to talk to, to address the issues like this with them. We only rely on SAFM on this platform to do that. But where can you, where can you go if you want to force your company to apply for you? Because they only applied once and then it took them another three months in order for them to transfer the money to me. I had to fight and fight and fight. And after that, they did not apply to the Department of Labor. Now, I want to know where can I go to in order to force them to, to, to apply on my behalf because I, I've been out of work since March and they haven't applied after that. All right, Fiso. Uh, Mr. Nessie? Yes. Where can you go and, and apply to force them to pay? Simple. Um, all along, our labor centers were not open. And you know the reason, because a number of uh, workplaces were, were, were closed or had to tone down the staff numbers. You can go to the nearest labor center and raise that uh, particular issue. You can even write a letter and uh, submit it uh, to, to to your nearest labor center, or there will but, be people. But who he's will be he's he's that saying that he's saying that he's having difficulty with those labor centers in terms of them giving him assistance uh, to actually follow up on this matter with his employers. There will always be difficulty in the labor center, because. You have people now, they've flocked there, and people are just have to be patient. All our labor centers are open now. Maybe yeah. if you're talking about M- a month or two months ago, if you're talking about a month uh. or two months ago, um, yes, there was a problem. But now all the labor centers are, are, are are open and they are helping the people. It, it, did, it, it wasn't an issue of capacity from what I understood, but that it was actually an issue of willingness from the officials at the Labour Centre to assist him with then this he issue. Must, he must not give me the name of the Labour Centre so that I deal with the matter immediately after this. Which Labour Centre has he been dealing with? Okay, we'll have to find out from him. He's no longer he's no longer on the line. We're in conversation with the Minister of Employment and Labour. As Bongiseni, if you keep it short enough, we can take a question and answer before I have to go to the next break. Good morning. Good morning, Kiki. How are you? I'm I'm well, thanks. Go for it. Yes, Kiki, please. I need you. I I don't know. And so Asbongi Saini, unfortunately, I'm not hearing you clearly, so I doubt that uh, Mr. Nglesi is going yes. to be able to make line, out what you're saying. We're going, indeed, we're going to take a quick break and we're back with more after this. The Talking Point with Kathy Motlasana, weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. The numbers to use to get in touch with us this morning, 011-714-2006 on WhatsApp. You can send me your messages or your voice notes on 614 And the SMS line is 41391. We're in conversation with the Employment and Labor Minister, Tulas Ngesi. Spongiseni in Durban. Uh, let's try and, 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 and see if we can hear you this time around. Okay, Katie, I can hear you. I don't know if you can hear me. Just go for it. 
No, I was saying I lost complaints with the with the Pantan Labor Center uh, in 2016 and 2017. So all of those complaints up to now have not been dealt with. Uh, I have been trying to appeal to post, they are telling me the matter is being referred to statutory service, mm. the matter is being under-investigated. Investi- under mm. I try even to went to public prote- protector to intervene, but uh, more than one, nothing. Mm. Minister Ngesi, just are you able to respond to that? Because he's he is referencing your labour centres in particular and saying he hasn't been able to get any help from them uh, over a period of years. Petty, I request that you you get the details of the gentleman, uh, the nature of the complaint, and then uh, you can also talk to me or Mr. Mali. I will go. I will take the matter straight to the Pine Town Labour Centre. But I must just caution on this: there are workers who have had disputes, not just in relation to COVID, and then you take those processes and uh, you properly to even to the CCMA and so on, and sometimes they go to arbitration. Once they see those issues at the level of the arbitration, those workers do not want to cooperate. They even want to disrupt those processes. People do not want to follow the processes uh, patiently and properly because some of those processes, they take time. I'm just making an example. But on this particular case, I would like to get the details. I will talk to the Pine Town Labor Center immediately after this uh, this interview and find out. And I'm requesting that uh, somebody follows that gentleman and give the details and the details of... Maybe we'll just get the details and we'll phone him and uh, follow up his issue. Of course, the difficulty, Minister, is that you're going to find that there are a lot more other people who have problems with these centres, but you're not going to be able to necessarily deal or hear from all of them within this time. But the mistake we must not do is to generalise about the nature of their problems because those problems have to be dealt with individually, in detail. That's why we have those labour centres. They must go there. I know that uh, it's it's too much for them to that waiting, which they have to do. That's why we have increased our staff in the labour centres in order to be able to deal with this with this uh, with this particular problem. Let me also give you another funny example. Later. Workers uh, went to this employer, and this employer during I mean, uh, during the COVID has been paying them full salaries. But we have made arrangements that some of them must pay the salaries. We will deal with them by replacing uh, the amount which they have paid, which the UIF would have been uh, able to pay. Those who could have should do that. And they did exactly that. Workers came back and said, we are demanding that you also pay us the UIF money, even if uh, you have been paying us our full salaries. And we tried to show the workers and there was an understanding, but unfortunately, there was an intervention, unfortunately, of a political party into that, which misled the workers. 
One of the issues that is also currently at play is that of the trucking and freight sector, where we've seen the ongoing protests. And um, from a labor perspective, it very much appears that um, the department has very little control over what is happening in the sector. Why is it taking so long to resolve the issues that that have been raised that continue to, to lead to violence? Uh, Katie, the matter is not a simple matter. Remember that in South Africa, we've signed a number of international conventions about the rights of the refugees. We've signed a number of international inventions, I mean, uh, conventions about um, the right to work of those refugees. So refugees, legal or illegal, they enjoy they enjoy those rights. That's unfortunately. And even our own constitution gives a guarantee to the human rights of all those who live in South Africa, not just South African citizens. And remember that a number of uh, the what you call the non-South African nationals, they are economic migrants. And the laws also apply to them. But the issue here is we have to keep a balance um, between our international conventions, the constitutions, and the rights of those workers, and how to also respond to the concerns of, of the citizens of South Africa during this period of massive unemployment. We've engaged and we're continuing to engage on this matter. The president put a uh, interministerial committee of about uh, 13 ministers um, from ourselves and Home Affairs, we are coordinating that, and uh, it has a number of the economic ministries, including international relations, to look at what would be a fair and a balanced way. And we have involved even mm. the ILO itself to deal with this particular matter. Uh, uh, and of this course, is moving towards mm. us coming up with what we call the quotas. And unfortunately, also. Some of the unions who have raised this particular matter are not registered employers. And in order to be able to negotiate properly, you have to negotiate with the registered people. But because we're dealing with a crisis, we have uh, opened up and we said, let's have a discussion. Let's allow everybody else. We think that uh, by early uh, 2021, we'll be able to make announcement on a series of the engagements we have been involved in, and we are moving towards uh, imposing quotas in the different sectors. Matthews in the Northwest, very briefly, please. What's your question for the minister? Hello, okay, I'm well, thank you. Go for it, Matthews. We don't have time. Yes, my problem since I apply my UFF July until today, I didn't receive any payment. I just want to find out what's going on. I was working with Tiamo uh, and I was working with. This other gentleman, but no one of them did give me a call. Like they were promising us to, they'll give us a call until today. And then I went to labor department in Taung with this uh, letter from press. Uh, like uh, they said before, I say under COVID, and then they removed me from the COVID. But until today, everything for me is not updated. Mm. I just want to find out. Like it's Christmas now. I don't have anything. And then to travel from where I'm staying, I have to pay. 300 from this, 150, 150 to return. I don't have that money mm. from July until now. I have sure. All right, Matthews. I have family. Mm, mm. 
I hear you, Mr. No, Nessie. Like, what do you what do you say to to people like Matthews and in his position? Can you quickly uh, repeat uh, the concern? So, 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 so Matthew says he's applied for UIF. He simply hasn't received it. He's gone to the labor centers for help. They haven't been able to intervene. And he, you know, it costs him to travel and it's money he doesn't have. When we, initially, when we're dealing with the COVID special benefit, we were talking about uh, the companies, the employers applying on behalf of of um, of those workers, has this company applied for him, or not? Or are we talking about the normal UIF? And uh, maybe it's, it's for the tariff benefit. It's, it's for the tariff benefit. So he's saying he's applied, but there hasn't been any feedback uh, to to help him, and the labour centres also can't help him in terms of identifying what some of the problems might be. Then, it means we will have to follow this individually because we don't know what is the nature of the problem until we understand the nature of the problem. Is it just the what the department says we can't help you, or is there something wrong with the form? Maybe even on that one, we must take the details. Is one of the lucky ones that I'll be able to follow up as a minister. But, but minister, do do you acknowledge that there seems to be a very big problem with your labour centres? and their ability to actually respond uh, to the problems that that ordinary South Africans are facing when it comes to trying to resolve some of the labor issues they're facing? Casey, there has been problems when our labor centers were not opened during uh, the heat of the COVID. But now they, they are helping each and every individual, but there are huge numbers which have turned out. And remember, we have to also respect social distancing, all the measures which have been put, and the processes are going to be slow. We're dealing with millions of the people. We're not just dealing with a thousand or two people. So we are going to be able to deal with those issues, no matter how long it takes. But we also have to respect the protocols of recovery. That's why our processes are so slow. As long as we get the details, we'll be able to deal with the issues. Minister of Employment and Labour, Tulas Ngesi, let me thank you for your time today. Unfortunately, can't get to any of the WhatsApp voice notes. We've run out of time. It's a minute after midday. Sakina, good afternoon.